Yeah. Off Grid Ireland is pleased to welcome our special guest this evening from the UK, Simon, aka The Woodlander. Welcome to Off Grid. Um, the Woodlander has a good YouTube and Telegram following where he discusses his life off grid and current affairs. Tonight we'll be exploring Simon's life in the woods, speaking on events happening in the UK and Ireland. Firstly, before we start, all the team at Off Grid Ireland want to congratulate you and your wife on becoming grandparents recently. Um, a new chapter begins. And welcome to the Irish Woods, Simon. It's um, it, it's actually, it's a pleasure to be here, my friend, and um, I, I'm really looking forward to this chat. Um, it, it's it's great to talk to people just across the just across the river. Um, I hope everyone in the chats had a good day. I, I, I can see people popping in now. There's more people joining. Um, it's, all, it's, it's a positive thing. But it, and, you know, in the days we're living in, it's, uh, it's so good to see so many people getting involved. Yeah, 100%. Um, it's, it's only growing. Like it's, it's only small seeds at the moment, but um, it's definitely growing. There's a lot of... Uh, a lot of anger in the air over the carry on over the last couple of years. But um, just Simon, can, can you tell us a bit about yourself, your path, where you're living now and your current lifestyle? Just to start off. Yeah, yeah, no problem, man. Um, I've, I've kind of covered this quite a bit, but it's uh, th there'll be new people listening tonight. So I live in the middle of the woods, literally. I, 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 I bought two acres which isn't it which isn't a massive amount of land i bought two acres of woodland in a hundred acre wood so this hundred acres was sort of partitioned off and sold and i bought two acres and i cleared a little part of it and i built a four bedroomed cabin for me and my family now i'm not sure what the planning laws are in ireland exactly um but you're not supposed to do that in the uk but but there is a there was a rule there still is a rule at the moment called the four-year rule which is if you can build something and living it um for four years and nobody asks you to take it down or to stop what you're doing then that then becomes legal and i kind of thought if i could find the right location and of the woodland it just helps me out because i when i found this plot i could stand in a part of it and i can't see my boundary and if i can't see my boundary that means that nobody can see me and if no one can see me then i could pretty much build something and live in it which is exactly what i did um and we, we've got i don't know we most people will know if they watch the youtube channel we've got, i've got 120 chickens five turkeys who, who, some of them hate me and chase me around the woods um we've got quail i've got seven dogs um, and, and it's a beautiful environment for the for, for them. We got loads of cats as well. So we got cats and dogs and chickens, and it's uh, it, it's. Do you know what? It's it's uh, it's a wonderful life. It really is. I get up some mornings, and I, I, I'm so happy to be here. It's 
It's a beautiful place. It doesn't matter what season it is. Every season has its has its beauty. And I've learned over the last few years to kind of live in tune with those seasons and 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 how things work and it's a much it's a much better way of living and that's not to say that um things don't go wrong uh, a lot of people look at the way i live and you know i live in a cabin in the woods and my, my costs are relatively low they're ne nearly zero um and they think it's idyllic and it and it is but things do go wrong um a, a couple of months ago my generator broke down and during the winter i need to use a generator for a couple of hours without that generator the batteries don't get topped up which means i had no electricity for four or five days and that doesn't sound like a lot uh, and to be honest it's it's not a lot but most people couldn't cope with having no electricity for four or five days so things do go wrong i've had my water systems gone wrong before my solar panels have broken down before the generators have gone down before um, all the roofs i built for the chicken pens collapsed a few years back under the snow i built some more they collapsed uh, last two weeks ago uh, just through rain so uh, you know that there, there's work to do and it's um, manual work and but it's a it's a very small price to pay for freedom uh, that's the thing you're living the dream it sounds like but i like it's it, it's definitely not it wouldn't be easy but i like that's why i set up this channel for um because at the height of the well i suppose during the whole lockdowns and all that kind of stuff a lot of people are thinking you know what i mean these people are going to legitimately lock us out of society you know and I, i'm an advocate for what you're doing and i think i i'd love to be in your position and i think that's the way that's the only way we're going to maintain our freedom i really think in the long term it's as as, as mad as it may sound to some people but i think these 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 controllers are are all in unless there's some big turnabout like well i, I did a stream probably uh, i think about a month maybe two months ago um so it was me from the uk um two americans and an australian and all of those had uh gone off grid in different ways you had the australian who had about a hundred acres or, or if not gone off grid had moved from cities into a rural setting where it was it was a completely different lifestyle um so the australian had like 100 acres and some cows and cattle um there was me living in two acres of woodland uh and one american had bought a, a small holding of probably 10 acres and the other one which was the most interesting to, for me had gone in with four or five of his friends and they bought some land and they were building cabins and they were building a community for their families and that 
is how I see uh, that's actually how I see things progressing. Um, because I think the whole system's so corrupt and so broken that I don't think there's any fixing of it. But I think what we can do is build something else outside of it because we know how we should be living. We know how we can um, work together um, and to, to get people to come together to buy a piece of land and to build homes on it. And sometimes you might have to bend rules. Sometimes you might have to circumnavigate some uh, bureaucratic bullshit. But if you can do that, suddenly you've you've got a you've got a proper community, not an online community, not people who um, get together, you know, once a month to uh, wave a banner and uh, and go on a protest. You've got community. You've got people living together. You've got people helping each other. You've got exactly what we used to have in the past. What do, do you say? Like it's nearly to get out in front. I don't know if your mic is broke. If you're if you've stopped speaking there, your mic is cut out. But um, I think the. You think that's the way forward? Like the the, the World Economic Forum that talks about being outside the cities and those that are those that it all became too much for, and um, you know they live a different kind of a life outside. I read that, I, and I've read that quite a few times, and that's one of the things that actually gives me hope, right? Which is that they might leave us the fuck alone. Excuse my French. But they might just let us get on with it, and if they do, we'll be we'll be fine. We will be fine. Um, my the the problem I can envisage is that actually what we build will be so much better than what they build, and they won't be able to allow that to continue because if people see that they'll want to come over and that's going to be a problem for them. That definitely, um, initially it's, and I think you, you touched on it, but you've got the chickens there and you've got the, what this bird flu thing going on. And you know, well, it's another kind of a way to encroach onto your, into your business. Is that kind of the scenario with it? Like, or is that bird flu a big, is it even a threat to like to someone like yourself out? It's, the, it's, it's no threat at all. The, the thing is that avian flu has been around for like ages. and But slowly over the last few years, they said, they've kind of said, well, oh, yeah, but it's getting worse and we must do something about it. And I'll be honest with you, it's complete bollocks. They know they can't wipe it out. It's like the flu, but in birds. Um. If your birds get it, they will die rapidly, like within 24 hours, they're, they're dead. Um, so <laughs> there, there's no complication, uh, uh, like about knowing if your birds have got it, like, they will die. But there's no birds dying. That, uh, 
I'm looking around and and you will see the same. Like when you're walking around the streets of Ireland, right, are, are there flocks of birds lying on the floor? No. Right that birds aren't dropping dead. Right. So this whole thing is an excuse for them to make sure that people do not own poultry they don't want you owning poultry they don't want you owning fowl or anything else because that can provide you with a means of self-sufficiency and they don't want that they don't want you to be able to do that so they introduce these things and then little by little what they'll do is add on rules regulations stipulations you'll have to do if you're going to keep chickens you'll have to register them you won't allow you know you can't have people coming to your property where the chickens are you've got to have disinfectant coming in going out you've got to keep records for five uh, and most people that have got a, you know a few hens in the back garden just will think well that's just too much work it's too much grief and they'll give them up and people, a lot of people in my position with like a couple of hundred hens are actually doing that. They're like, well, it's just, it's too much grief. There's too much paperwork. There's too much bureaucracy. Um, and, and what they've said at the moment is that they all have to be kept inside. Which for birds is 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 wrong anyway. That's no different from when we were locked down. Do you know what I mean? I can't shut this lot inside like indefinitely and you can't never let them out that's their natural habitat is actually to you know be outside pecking around uh, and uh to keep them locked in is is fucking cruel to be honest and there's no need for it either i'm confident of that um but what it does is it wipes out loads and loads of people from keeping them and in the end, everybody is completely reliant on the system for their food and everything else. And, and, and they can't do it for themselves. Well, well my, my answer was simple, which was you can make it as hard as you want, right? But fuck you, I'm keeping my birds. I don't care, right? And, and you will not shut me down. It's non-compliance, and I think that's the theme that's come up over the last few years. It's that people have to just stop complying. I think that's the people's duty if if laws are unjust, you know, within within reason. Like that's the thing. We just you just outlined it there with the with the you know those outside the city. So they give you that, and and I would have been in the same mind to you. It's like yeah, well that'd be grand if we're if we're left alone like that. You know, that'd be great. But it's this thing: property taxes, or you know these. I think it'd be more uh, conduct conductive to a disease if you have a load of birds sandwiched in a little in, in a in a shed somewhere. So obviously, you know what I mean. It's exactly. That. I've I've had to put up um, like five or six poly tunnels. Um, most people can't can't afford to do that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, if I ask the average bloke, like, go and buy five poly tunnels, you know, they're a they're a thousand pounds a piece. Um, that it's they're just saying no i can't do that 
and they say, well, you've got to keep your birds inside. And it's like, well, I haven't got an inside. I keep my birds outside because that's where they live. They've got coops, uh, but they live outside. And they say, well, you have to get rid of them then. And what they do is they cull the birds. Uh, uh, so they're just going around killing birds and wiping out the national flock. And, th and this, again, ties into... I'm not sure what's happening in Ireland with the farming industry, but in 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 Britain at the moment, in in England at the moment, the government is actually offering farmers thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds to quit farming. Like literally, please quit farming. Stop farming. We will pay you a hundred thousand pounds to stop farming and retire. In the Netherlands, the government there has just put in provisions to take away three, I think it's three, 30, might be 30,000 farms. They're just going to shut them down. They're shutting them down with compulsive purchase orders and taking the land. And all of this goes to control of food control of populations uh, we you can't let it happen self-sufficiency right is the only way we get through this right otherwise you're reliant if you're reliant on the system you have to go along with it and i've been saying this all along right which is how do you fight something that you're reliant on to survive if you need the system for your job, for your home, and for your food, it's very difficult to fight against it and destroy it because that's what you you need it. If you're self-sufficient, if you can feed yourself and house yourself, right, and you don't need that system, now you can fight it. And this is where being off-grid is actually a major major advantage it gives you that right that opportunity to properly fight against the system without being held back by saying well you know if it, it did all come down tomorrow then i'd be out of a job and i wouldn't have a house and i wouldn't be able to feed myself that's exactly that's what this page was all about when i set it up from the beginning and i, I used to call it like a, a tactical retreat like you're you're going back you know what i mean you're you're it's like digging in for a long for a long slog and i don't mean but i don't mean obviously i'm talking within the law it, whatever way but it seems that these people want yeah, to dominate in, in minecraft minecraft exactly but like it's it, these people want to dominate you and exactly like I, I tell you the right was on the wall during the during the whole pandemic shenanigans like they were they were there was i think it was lithuania or somewhere they were locked out of the supermarket and it was very close and the writing is on the wall here now with this digital, the, the digital pound and the digital euro and all this nonsense. So um, I do, I agree with you a hundred percent. But it, it's, it's very difficult to get people to understand. Um, and, and that's people on my side as well. People who agree with me and, uh, uh, and politically who are aligned. And I say, look, you need to, disengage from the system the system is the thing you're fighting 
and they agree with that that, that mm. the system's wrong and they want to fight it and i'm like how do you fight something like that you were reliant on you're trying to 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 destroy something that's going to take away your livelihood right that's going to uh diminish your ability to look after yourself and your family and you're going to have nowhere to live how hard are you going to fight for that and it's it's a really weird question like because they don't see it and most people i'll be honest most people i know are in that situation which is they understand the whole system is corrupt they're fighting against it but if it came to it they don't really want to lose it because they're reliant on it without that system without their job without their home you know they have a mortgage or they're paying rent um they're it, it, it's it's a very very difficult situation the answer to that and this is something i've been pushing for two years now which is i understand right that most people can't just go i'm going to buy a piece of land it's quite expensive when you put it in context to buying a house it's not that expensive but it is expensive you if you want to buy an acre of land you're going to be looking at ten thousand pounds and most people haven't got ten thousand pounds in their biscuit tin but if you get 10 of you together then it's a thousand pounds now a thousand pounds most people can raise and if you can get 10 of you and put a thousand pounds in and buy an acre of land you've got somewhere you can go you've got suddenly somewhere you can put a caravan on you've got somewhere you can doesn't matter if your house step gets taken you've got somewhere to go but if we don't buy the land ourselves if we don't own the land they're going to buy it up before we can <clears throat> and they're starting to do it now that's the terrifying thing would, would you say they would be investment uh, vehicles what blackrock vanguard or you know just these like that's it, it this is where we're going isn't it it's kind of like a new feudalism a feudal technocracy I'd have heard a call before, like where, you know, they, they want to really hammer people. They want to take out the middle class and hammer people down like the, like some kind of plebs or serfs or something. <coughs> Blackrock, it's not just Blackrock. Um, I can't remember what it's called. Is it ESG ratings now that a lot of these companies are, uh, have got? Um, but they're all to do with the carbon offset thing and whatever it's all complete complete rubbish right but this is what's happening large corporations are buying up woodland because if i buy a a, a hundred acres of woodland that woodland um offsets all of my carbon for my private jet so i can now fly my private jet and my carbon footprint is neutral uh, in insane as that sounds right that's what they're saying that if i own that woodland for my company i've offset my carbon footprint because 
the fact that the woodland already existed makes no difference to these nutcases and they're doing the same with land as well they're buying the land right <coughs> and just holding on to it it i mean bill gates started in america and we know why he's doing that like because he wants to stop farming they're stopping farming in europe like left right and center um i'm hoping i'm hoping that these Compul uh, compulsory purchase orders that they're putting through now in the Netherlands ends in it ends in a riot. The farmers the, the farmers can't allow that. They're, they're not being given a choice. This is where the government. This is tyranny. This is tyranny. Where the government says we don't care. We're taking your land that you and your family have owned for a hundred years. We're taking your home and your land, and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's over what? It, it's over some paragraph in a EU document that says that nitrogen levels are high, which again is absolute bollocks. All they're doing is controlling the land, controlling everything, right? <laughs> and and like you said, smashing the mi the middle class, right? But pushing everybody into a, into a position where they have nowhere else to go, where there is no other avenue. I've been saying for a while that, that what they're doing at the moment is shutting off all of the exits and they're doing it slowly. They're doing it with speech. I mean, I know in Ireland, your hate speech laws are, 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 are fairly harsh that are coming in. We've got the same as well. Uh, and with the online harms bill or whatever it's called, uh, you won't even be able to discuss things. But they're shutting off all of the exits. They're they're buying the land before you can get it. So if if you've got a group of people, and you're thinking of going off grid, right? The first thing to do is buy the land. Don't worry about how you're going to do it or whatever. Is buy some land and own it. Just own it. If the worst comes to the worst, you can put a tent on it or you can put a caravan on it or whatever, right? But at least it's yours. That's great advice. Absolutely great advice. We were looking at there, well, at the beginning of the, the during the height of the pandemic, I suppose, <laughs> that was on a lot of people's mind. But I think when, when they took the foot off the gas with the, you know, the intense pressure, in Ireland, it was overnight. So uh, one one day we weren't allowed into restaurants. We were being ostracised. The next day, it was like it was literally like we we were we were being vilified on the media like for just incessantly over two months, and then it just stopped overnight. And I think a lot of people now have kind of you know they're they're letting they're they're putting their guard down. And I I see the the whole thing is moving ahead. Uh, the G20 we're talking about uh, these health passports the digital currencies is all happening you know everything is moving ahead you know in the in their world yeah i think i i think i said it in my uh 
last video, I find this probably the the strangest time I, like, I've I've ever known. I find it really hard to comprehend that we've gone through what is undoubtedly the largest global event ever and yet it seems like it's um complete national amnesia people have just forgotten completely that they wanted to get back to comfort and conformity so quickly that they're willing to just forget what happened i, I can't forget it I, I can't forget what what these people did, but most people, like even if you if you bring up the word COVID, they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's no, but they forget what happened. They forget the two years uh, of lockdowns, uh, of mask wearing, of um, standing on fucking arrows in supermarkets. They forget not being able to get into a supermarket. All of that is forgotten. And I, I, I find it difficult to understand why. What? How do people forget that? And they do seem to have forgotten it. And I'm not talking about you and me and the people that were on us. But the majority of people seem to have just been very happy to forget it ever happened an abused wife or something I, I i will never forget what happened the way we were treated it was um full-blown psychological warfare and absolutely terrorized the population um and 90 percent of it i don't know if it, like it, it just didn't hold up like people falling on the streets the muhan we've all seen the videos it, it didn't manifest in reality what, what we were being told, and they terrorized everyone. And I think those who stood against it were terrorized more because it was touch and go. They were ready to, if they called for us, especially here in Ireland, to be brought off in a van, our neighbors would have waved us away. They would they would, would have waved us off and said, Egypt, they should have just got it. Asher, why didn't they take it? I should have, did they not know they won't be allowed to go to the pub if they don't get it? All this kind of nonsense. And that, was the, that's the, that was the consensus. And we all need to never forget that because these people were ready to to um, condone us being put into camps, and that was that's not hyperbolic. That's a fact. I've got to be honest. I think it was. Um, I think the regime was fifty fifty on whether they were going to go door to door and start rounding people up. I, I think it was that close, and I, they didn't do that. But I think it was fairly close. I think that if they thought they could have done that, then they would have. But it may have been a step too far. But it was. It was just. And this is this is this is why I find it so difficult. It was the biggest show of totalitarian dictatorship globally and yet no one no one cares everyone's still shopping in primark and has forgotten it and uh i find that incredible i mean after any other situation 
I can't think of anything as big, like even the like First World War, the Second World War, which were big, but they weren't global. Like people were like traumatized by that for generations and and didn't stop talking about and we're still talking about the second world war now like we still discuss it and we talk about it, you know the implications of it yeah this thing no that's gone right and for the public it's just not even on their radar it was it's gone now it's finished don't worry about it move on with your life and i find that really really bizarre uh, I understand what you mean when you said when this was full flow, people were thinking we need to get away. So the off grid thing became really, really um, a really popular idea. I had already done it. I was already off grid by then. Um, but now, even even on our, our side. I still see this. I still see people just slipping back into normality, into their old way of doing things. And, you know, well, actually, it's not so bad. And I'm like, well, wow, you just, you've really forgotten what happened. Well, you actually have. And it's still going ahead. They're still proceeding with exactly what they wanted to proceed with. Uh, cash will be gone. Um, digital currency is coming in. You will have a digital ID. And these people that have forgotten are the ones that will take the digital ID and use the digital cash. They're going to manipulate people into it, like because a lot of people would have said, "Look, they would have laid their lives down, say, over their choice with the." with the medicine you know what i mean they would say look i'm not taking it i don't care if i have to you know hunger strike whatever or run off and live in the woods but i think when they use it for something else maybe i think what they're going to do is link it to a commodity or something at first so you know something that there's a shortage of fuel or something so you know you'll need it to get fuel and that'll be the foot they just want to put the foot in the door or the social here you go I'll, here you go i'll tell you how they'll bring it in right and they'll get the majority of people to go along with it and uh, tony blair uh, uh, put this forward about a year ago what he said was um we do need to get a grip on immigration uh, which is remarkable isn't it considering it was tony blair that started the, the whole mass immigration problem in 97 but he said and the best way to do that is to have a digital id and you know and I know what problems we're having culturally and uh, in every other form with immigration at the moment. If they appeal to the public and say, listen, we understand your concerns and we do need to get a grip on this and the best way to do it is to have a digital ID, the general population will go straight along with it they will say brilliant this is to uh stop our countries being flooded with all of these immigrants you know there'll be no more illegal immigration and we'll be able to know who everyone is and it's better for the security services and yeah let's do it and and they'll go along with it 
and that's how they'll they'll bring it in. I, I'm I'm fairly sure of that. That's that's a good point, and I think someone else I don't know someone else mentioned something similar to that the other day. So yeah, that that is definitely possible. We have a serious problem here in Ireland with them. Uh, people land them at no document, so they they've obviously flushed them down the toilet on the plane or whatever. Come in so, then, and they're whisked away into B and B. So this is exactly the type of thing. Exactly, it's very easy sell to the public. We have to bring it in to stop. But you know, this is this is standard. What they do is create the problem first, and then come up with the solution for it, which is exactly what they wanted you to do, which you said you would never do. Um, to I'm not having a digital ID, right? But I'm dead against this immigration. Then they'll say you're dead against this immigration. You've got to have this digital ID so we can stop the immigration. Um, it, it's you know it it's been done a thousand times. I've got a question because um, here, here on mainland England, we've got a, a, like a, a huge problem, which you know about, which is like fifty thousand people so far this year rocking up on the shore in dinghies, right? And they're they're not rowing over from uh, Somalia, and they're not rowing over from Asia. They're coming from France, um, but France, uh, uh, but. Um, Ireland seems to have been literally the immigration is all government like funded they're flown in they're trucked in <laughs> you're not having these people come across on dinghies I mean how are they all getting there because it looks as bad there as it does here um well, you know, they've opened the floodgates from uh, the Ukraine crisis. They pulled on the heartstrings of the Irish people. They manipulated them all into putting Ukrainian flags on their bios and their, you know, this carry on like the, the latest thing. But uh, there's a lot of them coming from Georgia at the moment. I only read an article today where there's a huge amount coming in from Georgia. To be honest with you, what it is, is they've incentivized it. So you can't blame these people that want a better life in the sense that there's fuck all opportunities for me here. Um, oh, uh, some NGO has an advertisement or they hear it to word them out that a country is. So we've incentivized it, basically. That, uh, you know, yeah, with, with yeah. loopholes or which, whichever so, way you want to. But your government is actively bringing them in. I mean, ours, our government is as well, right? But what they're saying is, oh, you know, they're, you know, they're coming across on dinghies. What's happening is. Our government is complicit in in so far as it, what they've said is, if you get in a dinghy and get into the channel, we'll pick you up in a, in a boat, then put you on a coach, and then put you in a hotel um, for a year, maybe two. It's a five star hotel, three meals a day, and no bills, and they give them cash to spend. Here's the money for your cigarettes. Here's the money for your for your alcohol. Don't worry about it. You've got no money to spend. Uh, free accommodation, free heating, free gas, free electric. And at the end of the two years, we'll give you a house. Because they're not going home. These people aren't going home. They're not going to. They're not going to suddenly, after two years, ship them out. And I'll tell you how the argument will go. Right? Because I've seen this a million times as well. What they will say is. 
we can't keep spending seven million pounds a day housing all of these people in hotels that's ludicrous so what we're going to do is give them a house and that will cut the bill to three million pounds a day and therefore we can spend that three million pounds on education or the health service or whatever or and that's how they'll they'll just say we're going to be able to put so much money into other things by giving these people houses instead of keeping them in hotels. Instead of actually saying they shouldn't actually even be here. They're here illegally. These people that I'm talking about, £7 million a day on hotel bills are here illegally. They've already broken the law. Instead of saying putting them on a boat and send them back, which is exactly what they should be doing. It, it's, um, I think, was it yourself or, or Morgoth uh, mentioned it in one of your last videos? Like, it's not incompetence, it's malice, it's, you know what I mean? It's treachery. Like, they're whisking them away, and I've seen exactly what you're talking about. I've seen the videos of them coming in, they have all their little um, orange vests piled up and there's a welcome team so that's that's sophisticated that's planning that's organization that's not incompetence no it's not it's not incompetence it's being done um deliberately what what i find remarkable with ireland though is that you don't have that situation you haven't got those illegal immigrants sort of the, the general public in england thinks that these are people sort of fleeing like rowing across oceans in in rubber dinghies desperate to get away from a war and that, and that's how it's been portrayed um less and less people are thinking that right but that's pretty much how it was portrayed but that's not the situation you're in the situation you're in is is your government is just bringing more and more and more in it's not even these people were coming themselves right it's that your government are bringing them in and i find that i mean i mean our government brought in over a million over a million last year which is um quite a phenomenal figure to uh to figure out how you accommodate an extra million people and plus the you just know probably that, just on that um thing there the, all of us have seen uh, boris johnson's father do you know and he wrote the books on the population overpopulation and we've seen the video of him talking mm -hmm. like there's 75 million in the uk the carrying capacity is 15 million but at the same time, like his son is in government, you would expect, you know, the Christmas dinner, you know, this is stuff they've talked about. I think Boris has it on his website. Uh, it's still there from 2007. He was talking about overpopulation and this, that and the other. So, yeah, that, that, kind, that, that, that kind of went out of fashion. Did you, did you see that? That whole overpopulation thing, kind of, that they stopped talking about it in about 2015, I think. It, it stopped. And it switched to something else, which was um, migration control and all of this other stuff. Deep down, they know, right? They know what they're doing. Um, the question has to be asked, which is why? 
why would they put all of these people into Ireland? It's not for jobs. Like right? you haven't got the jobs there, and it's not because they're refugees. Because I can promise you, they're not refugees. They're economic migrants, and the same goes for for England as well. <clears throat> We're not bringing them here for jobs. Uh, you, you can look at the how many jobs are available. There's 1.5 million jobs available in the UK at the moment. And there's currently about 3.5 million unemployed. So we don't need any more people to fill positions. So why are they doing it? Uh, uh, and the conclusion I've come to is that the only thing they haven't managed to smash completely because they've managed to destroy the family they've managed to eradicate religion near as damn it um and that might be slightly different in ireland but near as damn it the only thing they haven't completely eradicated is normal society but if you flood a a society any society with masses of people that do not mix you end up with atomization you end up with fraction you end up with conflict you end up with no society at all and that's exactly what they want they want chaos and anarchy and fractures and wars they want us fighting each other as well and i agree i agree with that could it be as well um i think i've said it here for the for the irish uh scenario like the, a lot of people that have skin in the game they, they might own their own bit of land their own bit of property they're you know they're kind of solid they're solid anchor but like if you're bringing in these people i doubt the lad coming across the, in the dinghy or you know landing in, in shannon airport with no passport i doubt he's going to go and, and buy himself a house and lay roots and do you know, have anything. So are these people, is this for you alone to them be happy in the sense that all these people, if they ever get the vote in Ireland, they're get, they'll have the vote, don't worry about that. But that they will eventually be, be able to vote in. We have things coming up on the books, housing for all, and these very communist type they, of things, basically seizing empty properties, that, you know, all this type of communist. Do you know, I, I, I used to actually think the same thing in the UK. I mean, I mean, don't take this the wrong way, um, but Ireland's a, a probably a few decades behind the mass immigration of what happened here um you've had it really fast really fast and really hard and it's so noticeable um that it's it's scary what's happened to you in the last five six years i used to think that the argument that uh, th there was two. One, that Labour were quite up for immigration because they're bringing in a voting block. And the Tories are quite up for immigration because they're bringing in cheap labour, which is good for business. And um, businesses like to pay less. And the more people you've got, the less money you have to pay for wages, um, which is normal market economics. 
but that's not what's happening in the last couple of years. It's since '97 that is not is that is not what is happening. We haven't got the jobs for these people to fill, so it's not about economics. It could be about the banking system. It could be about that because we have this amount of people, the government has to borrow money, and therefore if the gov government is borrowing money to pay for this amount of people, the banks can produce a lot more money, as we know that money is based on debt. Um, but it's not, and I don't think it's voting either. I really don't. I, I, I can't see a difference between um, in 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 England that the Conservative Party and Labour Party are, are just there's no there's no skin between them. There's there's no room between them. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. It's it's a game of smoke and mirrors. Um, we'll have one in for ten years. And the country will continue in exactly the same direction. And then we'll get another one in. We're, I mean, we just saw that it was Labour that started this in 97. And then the Conservatives got in on the promise of reducing migration. Literally, their words, to the tens of thousands. And the figures come out and it's the highest it has ever been, ever and it's in the million over a million there is no difference between them the, the direction is the same the rhetoric might be different but there's no difference between parties and i don't think the reason these people are being put in our countries is for voting what i do think is it will completely and utterly change our countries forever if they stay here and they do not return home then ireland will not be ireland and i'm afraid england will not be england Basically, uh, the, the destruction of nations is that kind of like that. That is what look at it. There's no point in beating around the bush. That is what it seems like it is because you're just like a big melting pot. Then is it that you're all easier to control then from the top? Uh, maybe some kind of global system. I don't know, but that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's systematic well, destruction. If if I wanted to if I wanted to control a group of people, I wouldn't want them to be overly intelligent. I would want them to be able to do what I told them to do, um, but that's about it. <clears throat> I wouldn't want them to be able to think outside of the box and to be looking at what I'm doing. I, I would want them easily controllable. And for that, I would want people of a certain IQ. And they're, they're, this is horrible things to say, but this is the way you, you, we must look at it because... If if the democrat if the demographics continue in the same way they're going at the moment, Ireland will not be Ireland. You see, Ireland is made has been made by the Irish people. That's what made your country what it is. That's what made your culture. That's what made your uh, nation. 
That's why it is the way it is, which is why people want to go and live there. And that's the same for England and Wales and Scotland. We've done quite well for ourselves. We've created something that is actually quite good um, compared to other other places. <clears throat> so it's no surprise these people want to come and live here. The problem is when you get so many of them that actually in 50 years there's more of them than there is of you, what you end up with is their country, not yours. And that's not a good thing. Uh, I think, and you touched on that, the IQ thing, that's real, it's very controversial, but like people can look into that. Like and we've talked about that on this channel before. It, it is controversial and people's heads spin, but it's not, you're not, you know, it's not saying that everybody, like you could meet, you know, especially if you look at the IQ on the race, like, you know, a, a guy of a different race could be far higher IQ than me, but it's kind of when they zoom out and they look at large groups that these yeah, well, know, patterns I mean, develop. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be controversial. I mean, th these things are known. Um, <coughs> that, yes, you have to look at groups. I, I, I understand that people have a problem with even looking at groups. It's like everybody should be taken as an individual, and I get that. But I'm kind of fed up with the not everyone argument. Do, do you know what I mean? It's like... We can't allow like thousands and thousands of um, fighting age Muslim men into our country. Like when we're waging war against uh, Muslims in another country, uh, and people say, well, yeah, but it's not all Muslims. And then someone blows up a, a concert, yeah, but it's not all Muslims. Well, I'll tell you what. Until every every other Muslim stands up and admonishes them and rejects what they've done right then i have no room for any muslims you need to stand up against them right but even then how, how do you sort them out can you point out the ones that that are the are the, the bad ones then to point out the bad ones if you can't point them out then i'll have none that's my argument. If you can't point out the bad ones, I'll have none. Agree with that a hundred percent. No, I, I understand that, and I, I was, I give that example of you know that the individual setting, but that's not like that the Muslim question and the. Um, I, I have a document here from Sweden. I won't go too much into it, but it's it's you know the statistics on sex crimes over. I think it was from twenty fifteen to twenty seventeen, and I went through the profiles and the the statistics are, you know, it's it's a no brainer that it's we have our own issues in our own countries and our own uh, families built up these this country, England and Ireland. We built it off the skin and sweat and blood, and you know we've skin in the game going back generations. We built it up into the into the culture that it is and it's a nice place to live exactly like you said like if you want to import like if you like the third world so much you know go live there or maybe just leave our countries alone do you know what i mean because you know people just need to it is what it is and these conversations are important to have because they're, they're trying to stop them now especially in ireland here we could look at five years in prison on the a, weird you know, thing is right I, 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 all all peoples do this right and it's um 
it's completely acceptable sometimes and, and, and people don't think anything about it. See, my parents uh, left England and um, when they retired and they went to Spain. And mainly because it was lovely weather most of the time. And, you know, my dad bought a little fishing boat and used to go out fishing and they just, and their money could buy more in Spain than it could in, in England. And I used to go over and visit them and I used to think, yeah, oh, it, it was lovely. It was, it was, it was beautiful. And they lived in quite a Spanish area. They used to go down to the markets down in the streets and, you know, they both spoke a little bit of Spanish. My mum, not as much as my dad, my dad learned more. Um, but just down the road from them was a, was a little town um, that was 100% English. And I mean that. Everyone spoke English. They had an English pub. They had several English pubs. They had English bookshops that sold English books, not Spanish books. Uh, English uh, DVD place, so you can go and rent DVDs. They had um, English restaurants that, you know, did English food, Sunday dinner uh, uh, and whatever, you know, full roast. It was England. It didn't really matter to the Spanish because the cultures were fairly similar. The Spanish culture, the English culture, they actually got on quite well. Spanish people could go there. They didn't really mind. And it, But it did get me thinking. It got me thinking about um, cultures and, you know, but because these European cultures are so similar, it, it really wasn't a problem. And I don't think we'd have a problem in, uh, in England. And I don't think the Irish would have a problem in Ireland if, you know, you had a group of Spanish people and, you know, they opened a tapas bar and whatever. Uh, you wouldn't really have a problem because you still... It's still relatable. The problem arises when you have cultures and races that cannot assimilate, that, that, that are completely different. There's no shared history. There's no shared culture. Then it becomes very, very difficult. And that's the situation we're in at the moment and it's not just between us and one other group it's between all those other groups as well we've already seen in the in mainland england uh mainland uk that in leicester that the muslims and the hindus have now started fighting amongst each other so now we've got two sets of Indians that used to be at war with each other in India are now carrying that war over into the UK and firebombing each other and throwing bricks and bottles and stabbing people. And this is not a cohesive society. What you end up with is a society where people don't like each other nobody likes each other people are scared to go out people it's not a society it's um it's a broken jigsaw puzzle
Yeah, I've seen those reports there. What was going on with the the street fights between the Hindus and the and the guys? Like it's 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 unbelievable. And yeah, and you're well further on than us. And you're and you're right. Like ours only kicked off there, say in the early noughties, um, mid noughties, and then and as you said, we brought in a lot of Polish people and stuff like that. And they were they're really hard workers and um same same religion a lot of them with with the irish a lot of them were catholic um not that that matters but you know what i mean like you said that they very integrate well you know um it's definitely a serious problem when you when you allow people that are from a a complete different world culture in and another thing i just want to i maybe don't know much but we've here in ireland now that the music scene now has all moved on to say for the younger generation onto the youtube and they're listening to these uh, the Irish lads, they sound like they're from London, you know, rapping about stabbing each other and, you know, smoking crack um, with London accents. These are Irish lads, but it's the same. I know it's the same in England, but like that culture alone, say for the inner cities and the urban areas, like they're capturing not only that uh, that element, say if it's uh, black rappers, but then also into the working class native populations and whatever else and it, it's very toxic and have you noticed with like these stabbings and whatever in england it's very prevalent sure it's it, you know it's in the lyrics of the music all the, all well, the music. L- london's the stabbing capital of the world now which we're uh, you know obviously very proud of um it's our capital city and the best best place to get stabbed in the world um uh, you know or or get acid thrown in your face and the, these things were um, never used to be um, commonplace. Literally, if you go back just 50 years, right, they weren't commonplace. If someone got stabbed, it was a big deal. Whereas in London now, it's like, you know, you get 50 to 100 stabbings a day, uh, and half of them aren't reported. Um you, <sighs> It's a cultural thing. It's an ethnic thing. We know this. Um, and as places become more diverse, you're going to get more of it. The, the, the issue we've really got in the UK now is that actually they've ramped it up so much in the last two years. Um, they've decided that everywhere, now everywhere, needs to be diverse so they these immigrants um that are turning up in the dinghies are being transported not to the cities which is where they'd like to be but into small rural communities 100 at a time 100 down in cornwall 100 down in Devon, 100 in this village, 100 in that village, 100 in this one, and they're spreading them out throughout the whole country. And again, it goes back to what I said earlier, which is this is all part of them shutting down the exits. Because what happens is, as the cities and towns get more diverse, people were moving out. They were moving to the country. They were moving down to Cornwall and Devon and, you know, and, and further up north as well. And the government can't allow that because what you end up with is strongholds. What you end up with is areas that are 100% um, organic and natural. And they don't want that. 
So they're now forcibly putting these people into the smallest villages. Uh, you, you'll have a village of a thousand people and they'll put 300 um, Albanians and, and um, Asians in there. It can't be done. People are starting to notice. But the reason, it's the reason they're doing it that's so subversive, so obnoxious, is they're doing it to make sure that you have no choice, that you have nowhere to go, nowhere to run, nowhere to turn to. <laughs> You'll have people there. People will be, um, they'll be, they'll be having their nightmares <laughs> over it. But it's actually the truth. Like we're up to our neck with it here at the moment. Like um, you've probably seen a few uh, videos on the pages there with the east wall, and there was lads busting in, in the middle of the night. You know, you wake up the next morning. There's hundred guys. Is, 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 is that is that the east wall far right riot I, I heard about today? Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, stop. It, it's it's bonkers. Uh, like even the locals, right? The, the local residents aren't allowed to voice their opinion without being labelled as far right racists. Um, and then someone did notice that actually all of these Ukrainians seem to be Asian, Eastern European, or African, and none of them are Ukrainian. Again, more racism. Yeah, uh, that's what they're trying to criminalise now with this hate speech in Ireland. It's very important. Just while we're on this, there is a there's a rally in Dublin. I know you, I know yourself. You won't be able to make it, Simon. But just for anyone listening to it, to try and make it up there on a Saturday, uh, I think it's one p.m. at O'Connell Bridge. I, I, you know, it's this is the fight we're in. Like, and it's protected classes, so that means that like, you're if you're not on the list, then you're. You, you know what I mean? You, you, it's a, it's, they're, they're the ones that are discriminating against people. Do you know what I mean? Um, isn't, it, isn't it incredible, though, that in, in Irish law now, right, that there's all of these protected classes and the Irish people aren't on it? I find that incredible. And it's the same here as well. It's like you can't say anything about anyone apart from white white english people right those those you can hammer them into the ground right and the same in ireland you can you can put down an irish man all you want right but you say anything about anyone else five years in prison like it makes you wonder like i don't know what way it's going to play out like but you can imagine there's certain scenarios say like for your gender or you know like i have a problem with sexualized you know transvestite males you know reading storybooks to children is that that hate speech is that do i deserve five years in prison for saying that or if there's a group that's come up on you know for overrepresented in certain crimes for the size of their group within the population be it whatever be it you know that is that now illegal to, to talk about that's it i speech. think i think i think what they're looking for and i i mentioned this on my last video I, I think what they're looking for and now they are pushing so hard right and and but they've 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 got legislation in place to counter this right but what they're looking for is a reaction from the right they're looking for someone to get violent and, and do something which wouldn't surprise me because 
what they're doing is basically declaring war on the Irish and the English and the Welsh and the Scottish, right? That they're literally declaring war on you, right? But if you fight back, then we'll put you in prison. Uh, they're waiting for a violent reaction, and they haven't had one yet. That's the thing. In the UK, that all of the um legislation that's coming out is about right-wing violence and you know how dangerous you know the right wing could be and and the reason for that is they know what they know they're pushing they know they're pushing it but they want to get stuff in place so the minute one person steps out of line they will crack down right with laws that we've not seen yet and they and they will it's coming i i know it's coming um but it will be a terrorist uh, offense to speak about you know if you if you were to say this chap you know um that beat me up was asian that then you will be labeled uh, not a, a racist you'll be labeled a terrorist right because it, it's getting that bad uh it's it's going to be it's going to be hard times ahead right but i'm pretty sure they're moving too quickly they're pushing too hard and we'll win it i think we'll win this right because they're making too many mistakes they're making too many mistakes they're making it too obvious and even those people that you think aren't on your side, those ones that are agreeing with them, even they notice it. Even they notice their town being flooded with immigrants. Even they notice that actually their food bill has risen by twice as much. Even they're looking at their gas bill and their electric bill. It, they all see it. I don't think they're going to win. It's up to us all to, to resist it, and that's we can we'll take a few questions. But it is up to us all to um to resist it because you know we, we there's so much there, and I, I what I hold our hope is that the the crimes over the last two years, uh, with the response to the what went on and the pandemic and all this, um that's con that's continuing. That there's damage, maybe untold damage, been done there. Um, and now with this issue of these people aren't are afraid of what's going on. You wake up, you're in a little village. You wake up the next day, there's eighty or a hundred um, Asian or Arab men in living in your small village. Like you know, so look, yes, all is not lost yet, but it's it's very important that we that we all push push forward. Um, we'll just take a few questions if you don't mind, uh, Simon. And uh, that's absolutely fine, mate. Yeah, but as I said, I, I do apologise to the chat that I'm not um, involved or whatever. I can't see it. I'm, I'm in the middle of the woods. I'm stuck on a phone. Uh, I, I, I'm able to chat, but I can't see what the chat is. That's at all. Well, I'll, I'll let, um, have you a question, Patricia? There first, and then we'll go with Finn and then um, Gina. 
Yeah, yeah, um, Simon and Gavin. Yeah, I've I've kind of two quick questions, and it's it's in relationship to uh, living off grid, Simon. Um, when when you when you and your wife decided that uh, that's it, this is where we want to go. We want to go off grid, and we're going to live off grid, and that. How how what was the reaction of the rest of your family, even your kids and your friends, and even work colleagues, or you know your your old neighbors and that like when when you when you finally decided okay that's it we're going to bite the bullet we're going to go for this how did they react to that well <coughs> most people think you're nuts they they, they they and they don't believe it but even my wife and i'll, I'll be absolutely honest here when we bought we bought the two acres and um i moved all the birds up here and everything first and i started building the cabin whilst you know every day i had off work and i and my missus would come up and we'd bring the dogs up here and um she'd mess around with the birds and the chickens and whatever and she never really came down to see what i was doing which was fine um and i think she thought it was just a you know it was one of those hobbies it would never come to anything and it kept me out of her air which was you know probably a godsend to her and i was down there sort of hammering and banging away and and nothing really happened and her attitude changed when i called her in one day and i said right you'd better pick a kitchen and she kind of looked around the place and went, wow, we're actually going to live it. And I was like, yeah, that's what I've been doing. And, uh, and she was like, and then it changed. And then, uh, and then she really got on board um, and, uh, and it was cool. But most other people, uh, it's a weird thing, isn't it? Everyone says, wow, I wish I could do that. And I uh, and my answer is well you can. Literally you can. I, I I didn't have any money when I started this. None. I had about nine hundred quid in the bank, and I saved for two years flat. And then at the end of two years, I still didn't have enough money to buy the land, so I had to borrow five thousand pounds off of um, my wife's dad to buy this plot and then i spent the next year paying that five thousand pounds back to him so couldn't do anything i couldn't afford to buy anything else and then spent the next year building the cabin but you can do it, it it's just like how how do you want to do it when do you want to do it if you want to do it you'll do it but yeah most people thought i was nuts love and even my wife thought it wouldn't come to anything yeah and the second part simon of my question is um is there is there a, a big off-grid community where you are or are you in contact with other members that are living the off-grid lifestyle no it, it's not it's not a well hardly any to be honest uh in the woods i'm in 
which is a hundred acres. There's two woods either side of a bridal one way. One's a hundred acres, one's a hundred and fifty. And I think um, chap lives up the up the top in a tree house. Incredible guy. Um, I helped my neighbour across from me who uh, bought five acres. We built his cabin, um, I'm going to say, over four years ago. Uh, <laughs> um, we built that in two weeks, right? a two-bed cabin in two weeks for under five grand. And he sold his house in Sussex in England and moved his family into it under five grand and this is that's kind of the reason i don't know why more young people don't look at this and think fucking hell i can't buy a house of my own i'll never own it this we built it for five grand so no there's a few around here um and i know a few more and obviously now I know a lot more online, uh, but no, round here, I probably know six or seven people, but we all help each other out. That sounds really good. Um, just on that, uh, uh, you reckon... Um, starting off like uh, like that's what I was looking at myself like I think that's the way forward like especially if you can't get your your happier foot on the, the housing market sorry there I was rambling a bit um I'm going to take a question there from um Elena has a question there. sorry Elena have you a question there Jesus, sorry, I thought you were muting me. Sorry, yeah. No, just to follow on, Simon, on what you said there about building that one for five grand, okay? Um, how do you insulate it? Um, at the minute, like here in Ireland, okay, right, <laughs> like you'd be talking about if you were to go to a log cabin company and putting in the storage and all that, you're looking at 50 grand at least which i think is ridiculous that i come from a building background but that's bricks and mortar but how would you build what wood would you use and do you insulate it and what floor would you put in what's your name again love elena elena drop me a line on telegram if you can right and i'll run through the whole i'll, I'll run through the whole build with you I'll send you a little video that shows you my build. It's real, really quick. It's about five minutes, uh, but you can have a look. But well, my can I, say, can I just say something? I have the unique privilege of being totally banned across Telegram for sending <laughs> I kid you not, right? Now, and I never said a word. I'm the loveliest person in the world, right? I don't know what happened. And... um. If you message me, I can message you, or maybe I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll get a message to you through this channel. All right, uh, I'll drop your line. But li literally, I my land. I got two acres. 
and a four bedroom place which is which is huge i mean my 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 lounge is 25 foot by 20 foot um and four bedrooms and a utility room and a kitchen and dining room and an entrance so it's it's a massive place um the whole lot and i mean i've got like fitted kitchens bathroom like smeg fridges and like tumble dryers and you know you know everything a house has got i've got here right and it's all off grid and everything including like the central heating systems and the lot the land the build the whole lot cost me under 40 grand and mine's big yeah. that's serious well, mine's big uh, but, but but i mean I, I i did it over a period of time i didn't borrow to do it i just built it myself but it's um what what impressed me was building my mate's place for five uh, because that i thought you know there's so many young people who just think I, i'm just never gonna own my own place but if you get 10 of you together you can buy a piece of land and the following year what you do okay you don't do nothing for a year You've saved up, you've bought land, now you just put a bit of money aside for the following year. You can start your build. And you can have your own place with no mortgage and no rent. And that, the rents here in Ireland are going absolutely fucking parabolic sky high ridiculous money um dove there a viewer question hi there um woodlander it's great hearing you yeah we're kind of more into we do ourselves eco builds but we do it from wattle and daub we use the nature we grow willow and then we use this willow to create, you know, a framing system. And then we use um, clays. And we also add limes and hydraulic limes. We use that as well. But basically, it's kind of a return to nature approach. Um, I love that. Where, where are you doing that? In Ireland? Yeah, yeah. But, well, it, well, it's not... I, I help. I kind of overlook. I help with some of the designs. It's kind of more the fellas and more that well that we're working with. They're more into they understand the mixes and the different clays and what you should be using and how each part of the country has different kind of clays. So it's a kind of a different mix. But they also understand hydraulic limes and how they work. So it's a kind of a breedable system. It's a, when you put it on the wattle, you know, you the wattle acts yeah. as it. It holds, you know, it holds it. But the if they use a lime, it's it's a breedable. So you're talking about no dampness in in the wall. So that basically that's what my question is. I'm wondering about your materials. You're probably using logs. You're saying a log cabin. It's just I do, skill no, set. No, all of mine, all of mine is built out of um, ju just treated timber from a okay. normal timber yard because okay, um, okay. I, I, you know, I, I'd never built. I'd never even put a shelf up. 
before that's, me, but I'm not that's, a builder. That's what I wanted to ask. I was wondering about your skill set. Do you know what I mean? Because I had none, no skills. Okay, that's, that's brilliant. That's amazing, so actually. Yeah. I had to learn. Well, I didn't even learn. I, I've got to be honest. I had no plan for it. I didn't have a drawing for it. I, I, I just started building it. I, I, originally, I was going to build it in just one long rectangle, but then I hit this bush and I thought, I don't want to take the bush down. So I went L-shaped instead. But that was the beauty of not having a plan, which was, you know, I just, uh, oh, I just did it. I, so I, it's I kind just... of like hands-on experience really gave yeah, you yeah, the, yeah, yeah. And, and then you, le you learned as you went along, basically. Yeah, you know, that, that, that is the way to go. But see, this is what's happened to a lot of people. They have no confidence in in, in what they want to do. They see it as a, as a, a trial, a, a big, massive, oh, I, I can't do this. You know, and, uh, I think they're blocking themselves, you know, and this... Uh, I, I, this mindset needs to we need to kind of eradicate this mindset and say look i go for this well, that, that mindset's been pushed upon people right through yeah. years yeah. and years of education um that's not my mindset my mindset is i i can pretty much do anything if i set my mind to it if i really want to do it right and uh, and, and nowadays it was so easy i mean things like uh plumbing i'd never plumbed anything in my life i plumbed the whole building um including the central heating system apart from the boiler which i didn't want to mess with i got a plumber in to do that um but i just watched the youtube channel how do you how do you do this and it showed me and you you can break it down uh, and to here's here's the truth when i thought about building this cabin i thought I looked at a few um, cabin build videos and I thought, this is really complicated. And, and it's far too complicated. This is just stupid. So I, I, I typed in again, how do you build a big shed? Because right, I figured that's pretty much what I was doing. And that was really, really, really easy. They just went, what you need to do is start at the corners, get the framework put up, and then you can clad it. And I was like, yeah, great. I understand that. Uh, you know, make sure you got the ground level. Brilliant. Okay. Um, and it wasn't difficult. I, I mean, you can, <clears throat> and then you ask, you know, you ask a few people. I knew a few builders and I was like, if I build it like this, will that stand up? And they were like, well, yeah, it should. So I did it. And, and you just carry on. And, you know, I'm sort of seven, eight years down the road and the place hasn't fallen down yet. And I'm nice and warm and cosy. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, just where there's a will, there's a way. So that that's a fantastic story you're telling there. Because as, as I said, people, I kind of think they have to have a, a serious kind of skill set to do this. They don't. What we do is kind of specialised. Yeah, and that has taken years kind of to learn and to do but there is ways and, and as I said there even with us we hope to eventually be doing courses and teaching people how to use nature itself to provide you with this home you know so it's kind of that's that's the angle we're coming from you know so um yeah it's been brilliant listening to you Sorry. have you got have you got places yeah I know we have we we've got we started building these eco builds we actually it is i don't want to get into i don't want to take over the whole job but it started off as kind of like 
an arty sort of thing. We were doing just willow, willow sculptures, willow uh, towers, willow. And then we started getting into the building, the eco end of it, because we realized, you know, that's what we, we that the market's changing and we may need to do tiny bills. So that's where that really started. So, yeah, they're just, they're just, I've drawn up designs and, um, we hope next year to be launching it really to we have little bills already built and um well yeah. my fingers are crossed for you i hope i hope it goes well i yeah, really well, do as i said we all all we can do is try you know that that's all you can do and if we can run courses and help other people to use the nature that they have or we can help provide or if they get a little spot they and we kind of say like grow your own get their willow you know, you could if you had a plot, grow it, use it, use <coughs> it to make, and and use your clays and your soils and your, and and everything around you. And as I say, with the wattle and daub, um, you know, it, it's 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 if you put in the time and you put in the effort, it'll be there for you. You know, isn't it, isn't it remarkable? Yeah. But isn't it remarkable that here we are, right, um, talking about building timber houses and willow and daub um framed houses uh, instead of talking about transhumanism and medical implants and um nanobots and it's a much better way of living and such healthier yes healthier for your mind me mentally physically and spiritually is a much better way to go really it's um it, it keeps me sane anyway <laughs> Been around this kind of environment otherwise i don't know yeah thanks dove yeah. you'll be you'll be in high demand for your services oh, <laughs> i think that's where we'll all be heading that way i think eventually <laughs> we'll just take um one more question uh from derek there and then we'll uh, wrap it up because he's been really generous you've been really good simon thanks a million yeah no problem my friend yeah can you hear me okay yeah Hello. yeah yeah, yeah. I, I'm sorry, I, I'm a bit late joining the conversation, but uh, one and you know, it's it's great to hear your story. I, the bit I heard about the building, but the, obviously the question when I when I heard the word building, uh, <laughs> the, the next question I have is 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 planning. You know, um, an example like I, we're trying to buy a house in North Kent. Dublin, we went up to four hundred and twenty thousand for a house on three acres. That house is only a shell. But the only reason it's making that price is because of planning regulations and you can't build in this country well you can but it'll be just torn down so how did you get over that um i'm not sure if your cabin is in the uk or it's in ireland it, well mine well, mine's, 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 in, mine's in mine's the in the uk yeah i got a bit I've of a bit. Uh, echo here <laughs> um right okay mine's in the, in england um and you'll have to check but i think the law and the rule is the same in ireland um, i i use some, something called the four-year rule which is which states if you build something and live in it for four years without anybody asking you to stop or take it down and by anybody i do mean the authorities then it then becomes legal now there are a couple of caveats on that which is you're not allowed to 
deliberately hide it so that means you can't put up hoardings or hide it behind hay bales or whatever uh, and you're not allowed to apply for planning permission for one thing say a barn and then turn it into a house but if you actually build a home and live in it for four years without any issues it's then legal and that's actually relatively easy to do in a woodland where no one can see the middle of it. So I'm not sure if Derek got all that or if he... Uh... Uh, yeah, I did. Oh, I, did. I, I got all... Yeah, very interesting. Very No, I, there's a guy called um, Iron Tumper in the UK channel. He, he mentioned his video on that. But um, I, I, yeah, it may be possible in in wood. I, I don't think in in a convention. You, you, you probably, you probably won't get away with it in the open. No, 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 no. But you know, it's 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 I, interesting, very interesting, and I'm I'm glad that you uh, you got around that. Yeah. So so thanks very much for the answer. No problem, Derek. Well, thanks a million, lads. Um, I think. We've, they've been really generous with your time. We don't have to keep you all night, but thanks a million, Simon. Your wealth of knowledge. I hope you come back to us maybe in the future sometime, and we go deeper into maybe some of the the off grid stuff. And you know that we did, we kind of we we could have went deeper into it, and maybe we will. Yeah, no problem, Gavin. I, I've really enjoyed the chat, and um, thank you for having me on. And I, I I hope everyone who turned up enjoyed it as well. Well, thanks a million. Um, uh, brilliant having you and I'll post it up it'll be up on the different feeds um, maybe tonight or tomorrow okay well I'll say good night good night to everyone in the chat and good night to you Gavin good, Thanks, Simon. Simon. good night Patricia